Welcome to the Cornerstone League podcast, bringing together credit union advocates, thought leaders, champions, and more. I'm your host, Tanya Dittburner, Cornerstone League Director of Communications and Media Relations. And today I've got two guests who are here to talk about how one credit union is leaning into offering cryptocurrency services to members. Becky Reed is president and CEO of Lone Star Credit Union in Dallas, Texas. She has expertise in retail operations, lending back office operations, and IT, and has developed game-changing programs that landed Lone Star the CUNA Technology Council Award for Excellence in Technology in 2019. Becky is the co-founder of the Pure IT Credit Union Service Organization, having served as its board chairman. She has also served on NACUSO's board, chaired for Correlation Southeast Users Group, and has served on the advisory board for Correlation, Inc. I also have John Wingate, Bank Social CEO and founder. He is an expert on transformational technology, financial innovation, regulation and laws, entrepreneurship and business, and heads up Bank Social, a service aimed at radically evolving and transforming trusted financial institutions of the future. Welcome to you both. Becky, can you tell me about Lone Star Credit Union's crypto journey? How did you go from crypto curious to taking action? Well, so I, because I'm a technology person, um, the world of crypto has always been interesting to me. And I can tell you cryptocurrencies was not the first thing that attracted my attention, but actually distributed ledgers because um, I'm an infrastructure technology person, so servers and and networks are something that interested me. So I've been paying attention to that space since probably 2014, 2015. So I've been following it. Well, when the cryptocurrency thing kind of exploded in 20, what, 2020, 2021 timeframe, and our members were actually buying crypto. And so I decided to take a look into it further and met John. And we decided that the first foray into the crypto space was to offer a self-custody crypto exchange to our members. So that's what we've done. And John, tell me about what Bank Social does. So Bank Social is working to basically expose and give access to financial institutions for DeFi. And it's, it's doing that through creating um, just kind of best in class tools, whether that's through uh, direct connectivity or whether that's white label tools that we can give the credit unions. The whole idea here is to do it, you know, kind of the bank social idea is really to um, enable really financial institutions of all sizes, uh, small credit unions, large credit unions, give them the tools they need to succeed in this up and coming financial evolution. How did Bank Social and Lone Star Credit Union come together? <laughs> so we actually have a story. It's, it's our origin story, right? So I'm a comic book fanatic. Uh, well, not comic book fanatic. I'm a I'm a uber geek, honestly. <laughs> so I, anything geeky, I'm I'm into. So our origin story um is uh, is not about a radioactive spider that, that either of us, <laughs> but um is about speak for yourself, about, Becky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's crypto guy and credit union girl, and uh, so. Crypto guy was looking for the best place um, for crypto to live in a regulated, safe space. Um, and he found credit unions. And I was 
paying attention to what was happening in the crypto space. And, and we found each other and, you know, I guess the rest is history. So we actually met on LinkedIn and I'll let him tell you why, how he found me on LinkedIn and what, and why we connected. So I, it wasn't because of crypto. <laughs> uh, so we were looking to, yeah, it wasn't because oddly enough, the, you know, the, the core reason why wasn't because of crypto. The, the core reason why was I was starting a credit union. I had, I had already reached out and got my charter started and they were, when I was looking for kind of where DeFi exists, could exist, you know, in a regulated manner, we found credit unions to be analog DeFi. And so Becky's helped me to understand a lot more about why those suspicions are actually true, especially with the concept of QSOs and the ability to kind of help help in that realm. And so, uh, yeah, I came to her asking for her assistance on uh, LinkedIn to start a credit union, to start a de novo. And uh, she was like, yeah, sure, let's do this. And she thought that I had reached out to her because she had been posting a lot about crypto. And no, I reached out, you know, I, I reached out to quite a few people. Um, Becky and I, from the first chat, it just kind of, she was excited. I was excited. And we shared that excitement. She shared the understanding that I had for this stuff that not a lot of other people have, especially in the credit union and the financial you know, industry in general. She just understood it. And so every time we took a next step, we just kept taking steps and steps and steps until we, we identified kind of the the way we could help the majority of credit unions explore this space without having to jump in feet first or without having to spend a tremendous amount of capital outlay out the gate to get started. That was really our goal is to help everybody, help all credit unions. Especially in this environment, you see various headlines every single day. You know, one day crypto is amazing. The next day crypto is something to be ignored. But there is a lot of hesitation in the broader world regarding cryptocurrency. Becky, can you tell me why credit unions should be still paying attention to cryptocurrency, why it still matters to the larger financial services world? Well, I believe that, and when I say crypto, um, hashtag crypto, I'm talking about the whole ecosystem, right? So um, the utilization uh, of distributed ledger technologies, and uh, and I believe that it's that technology that's going to change everything we do in the, the world of finance, not just financial institutions, um, but also uh, everything uh, that you consider uh, finance. And I think that credit unions have to pay attention in the short term um, because members are buying crypto and deposits are leaving credit unions, right? So that's in the short term. And in some cases, members are purchasing crypto through exchanges that are not compliant. And we've obviously seen some of the scams that have happened because of that. And so as credit unions, I think it's important that we do our best to provide them education and uh, keep them safe. I believe, again, that credit unions, we tend to be pretty risk averse, right? We're not on the bleeding edge of things. Uh, we're kind of conservative and, you know, tried and true. And, and we go with solutions generally that are, are well tested and well vetted. And our members rely on us for that kind of conservatism. So that's okay. But the reason we need to pay attention to it is it's going to change everything that we do. Uh, payments will probably be something that will be coming up soon where it will impact us. You know, you mentioned about there's kind of this flip flop right now of sometimes people are happy with crypto and they think it's the next best thing. And if you look back, kind of, you know, history repeats itself. And so 
if you look back at how the internet was initially, very much the same story. If you look at how the app store was initially, very much the same story. And it's if you follow the same paradigm, what happened there, how the, how the shift happened, it wasn't really until companies like us, people like us who understood the old paradigm, you know, especially in today's technology-based world, understand the technology and how to implement technology and how to successfully deploy technology until you have those people. And that's what happened when you had the internet, you know, the first seven, eight years of it was just the wild west, bulletin board systems, you know, everybody was just spinning up every idea that they had. And uh, for, quite frankly, you know, when people got into it in 2000, you know, or late, late, late 90s, early 2000s, they did it not because um, they learned about all the technology and how it worked. They did it because they just went on with this machine called a computer now and went to some easy to use tool. And that's what happened. And so it comes to more about the tools. You don't have to understand how the internet or your phone works to utilize them now. And so that's where we are. We're at that spike in that curve where the technologists, the people who understand the old paradigm of business are coming in, not the Sam Bankman-Frieds, not the FTXs, even though they looked good on the top, they were using QuickBooks and Slack to run their entire operation. Talk about, you know, kind of a, a Gen Z model for how they think businesses should run. But yeah, I think that's where we are. And that's what the, the next wave will be. We won't have this anymore in the next couple of years, this whole crypto or not crypto. It'll just be everywhere you won't even know. What do you think needs to happen in order for there to be more general uh, mass adoption and for this for us to go from the wild west of the digital asset world into just commonplace? Technology. It takes... Yeah, it takes you not having to know. So right now, if you go to try to buy crypto or, you know, six months ago or eight months ago, it was a very tedious and arduous process. The whole purpose of crypto, crypto cryptographically secured decentralized ledgers is so you can hold the assets yourself for the majority of what needs to be done, right? Removing intermediaries, controlling your own assets, not having the need for custodians. That's the major thing. And we've been kind of stuck in this old paradigm of, well, no, it's just it's just the new asset. You put it in a custodian. That's not really what crypto was created for. And what will happen is as this technology proliferates, I'm I'm anticipating 24, 36 months max, you're going to start to see a lot of these. Uh, there's already, they're talking about tokenization of security. So no more stocks held by a custodian. Now, if you want to leverage those stocks or you want to do something else, sure, you give them to somebody else, they hold it for you. There's some type of smart contract agreement that when you pay your money back, your leverage back, it automatically releases your stocks. You don't have to rely on people. That's where this market's going. And so until that comes in, until people just pick up their phone, tap an app and do something that just gives them everything they need, we're going through these growing pains. Same thing we had in the internet times. I mean, people didn't pick up, uh, you know, Chase didn't have an app in 2006 when the app store hit. They waited several years and most credit unions waited even longer than, you know, several years before they had an app. I mean, some are just now getting apps. And so it's kind of that same paradigm. You have, you know, technology comes into a space. You have to not only get developers trained up because you could be the smartest uh, entrepreneur in the world. If you can't find the people to build it, then it doesn't matter. You have developers and then you have people who come in and then sometimes these guys are faster than these guys. And, and then there becomes an equilibrium where you have a bunch of people who really understand it. Uh, we're getting to that point now. What are the benefits of self-custody for cryptocurrency investors? Well, the biggest benefit is the uh, ability to self-custody your own asset, right? Not having to rely on the security measures and the trust uh, 
I don't really like to trust. I prefer verification. <laughs> you know, trust is a is a hard thing to do. And I think these systems allow us to trust and trust less and verify more. With with them being open source and the code being available, and I mean these systems are self regulating. And when you self custody, you really take on the the ownership of your financial freedom. I mean the the FTXs of the world don't happen if they're not taking everybody's tokens, and that's what they do. They you know they gave you kind of this in EULA this end user license agreement that just had blatant lies throughout the whole thing. And even the ones that don't, even the ones that are that are not lying, they're still custodying your coins. And the vast majority of people, like when Voyager went down, when Celsius went down, when Mount Gox went down, when all these different things went down, people didn't under really understand that, oh, wait, cust- you said custody. Like, I thought that's what crypto was about. I thought it was my crypto. They, they show you your, pro- your public wallet address and you really have this sense of it's mine. It's not. It's theirs. It's all held in. So that's where we really feel like the the that's what crypto was created for. Literally, you know, all these people talk about all these other reasons. Really, that's the main reason. Self custody was the was the main reason and removal of intermediaries. And so we believe that self custody is is a major part of this coming financial future. Like being able to custody your own securities, being able to custody the actual content of your own assets, and then being able to go out there and tokenize those and resell those in some capacity, just removing those middlemen out of it. And you can't do that if you don't custody your asset, if you don't have custody of it. If somebody else is doing it, you get the FTXs. You don't know what's happening with it because it's still just the database behind the scenes. And so the future has to be self-custody first. We believe in that. We're, we're big pushers of that. And I think that's why the credit union industry has taken a liking to our solution We've talked with several large credit unions that were looking at a lot of these other custodial types of setups, and we're helping them understand that there is a there is a different way, and there's a way that's more situated to being the way of the future. Because if we talk custodial, that's everything we're doing now. Putting it on a saying it's crypto and make it get custodial, you haven't changed anything. And, and that's where we believe that the big innovation is going to come in when people don't have to understand that they're self-custodying. They just get all those benefits because the tools are developed in such a way that they uh, give the control back to the people. People over profits. It's one of our main uh, mantras here. Becky, do you have anything to add to that? Self-custody was something that differentiated Bank Social right from the beginning. And when um, John and I were talking uh, through all the different things from starting a de novo credit union to QSOs to what is the best solution that, that we should um, offer first. Uh, we went through all of those different iterations. And one of the things that was really important to me as a smaller credit union was I needed it to be very low risk. I needed it to be low cost. And I needed it to provide education because this space is still very new and both members and our staff and our board all need to be educated around this space and Bank Social um, took care of all of those things. So self-custody was always something that was first and foremost on my mind. I felt like custodial exchanges were too risky and I certainly didn't feel like the credit union should have anything to do with custody. I still believe that very strongly right now. I don't think credit unions should be involved in custody today as things stand today. Now, as this evolves and and, um, regulations become more clarified, 
I think that it might be interesting to step into that realm, but today, absolutely not. So self-custody, simple, inexpensive, low risk was something that was appealing to me about the bank social solution. What kind of feedback have you received from members about Lone Star's crypto offering? So the feedback has actually been pretty good. So when we um, rolled out the offering in August, we did kind of a soft rollout. We just notified members who we already knew were buying crypto. Um, Again, just because we make the product available doesn't mean that we're telling members to go buy crypto. That's not the case. We're not encouraging, just like we're not encouraging people to go buy stock, even though we refer them to a financial advisor, it's the same thing. So people who are already buying crypto, who are already familiar with the space, who said, hey, here's an option that you might want to take a look at. It's a self-custody option. The credit union is partnered with somebody who can do this for you. And uh, the members um, actually have been very happy. We've had a couple of pretty vocal members. Uh, one in particular that has fully engaged and changed his buying habits completely and has gone 100% to bank social. Now, this is somebody who uh, every time he gets a paycheck, he invests in crypto. The feedback has been positive. We have had no negative feedback up to this point uh, on it because, again, it's not something the members have to do. It's a choice. They can choose to interact just like if they want to have get auto insurance you know, with CUNA Mutual. That's their choice, but they certainly don't have to. You mentioned regulation and possible legislation, and I'd like to hear from both of you on the future of decentralized finance, possible regulatory changes, and finally, how credit unions can really lean into this inflection point. Uh, you know, none of us knows what the future holds, but but we believe that existing laws and regulation encompasses most of what is involved in this space. We believe that all we're doing is what we've always done in a different or new way. So we feel like a lot of existing uh, laws are applicable. And actually, we're seeing that with FTX, right? (laughs) Those laws obviously were applicable. And we think that that is still the case. It's just there needs to be some, some clarity around which ones, you know, where does it apply? You know, is this fall under this set of regulation? Does this fall under this set of regulation? And where that sits, I think there's very little new legislation that needs to take place. There just needs to be some clarity around where, because not all of the crypto space applies to any specific one, you know, it could be part of it's over here, part of, you know, lending might be something different, you know, different cryptocurrencies uh, could be security, some of them are not. It just depends. And that's the clarity I think that that we need. But what we're doing today is following the rules as we know them and applying those rules to how we understand this market works. You know, everything Becky said, I would add that, or I would just stress that we've talked to central banks. One thing that they understand is there will live a decentralized you know, kind of can't do anything about it uh, ecosystem. The bigger thing, and this is what we believe in, you know, I want to do business with and and interact with people and find and money and value that I know is safe and secure. And so there's a balance now that, you know, with the way code can work and with the way this cryptography can work, there's a balance of sovereignty and privacy and security. And so what, what I think will end up happening is most of what we need is already there. People are trying to mask it as, well, no, it's crypto, it's crypto, it's new. We need all these new legislations. Uh, certainly, I think regulation can be more flowing. They can flow with regulation because regulation can be 
you know, guidance can be changed. It can be modified. It's not set in stone. Uh, legislation, once it gets on the books, it's pretty much cooked. It's baked. It's done. They very rarely take anything off the books. That's not to say that I don't believe there shouldn't be some legislation. I think it should be centered around things like clarifying how KYC, AML, know your customer, who you're dealing with, OFAC laws, BSA laws, how those apply within, you know, somebody's doing DeFi stuff and now they're coming back into, you know, maybe this bridge where DeFi and CFI exist uh, harmoniously in the middle and then you still have your CFI over here. And there should be this trusted ecosystem that people, if they, if they are, have the need to, they can prove and you still can't come take my funds. At the same time, I, I may not be able to off ramp those into a, you know the, the financial world. So I think there's a balance that's going to happen. I think that most of the legislation, the written laws that we come out with, um, will be light and and should be light, and they should be very specific on what they address. I think that they will address things like stable coins. They will address things like. Uh, identity and being able to, how, how does that work within these decentralized and how you can still allow for sovereignty and privacy. But the, the vast majority of it, we don't believe is going to change because I think that the other thing here is regulators, they don't want too much law either because that kind of restricts the the uh, their ability to go in and kind of create guidance. And so there's that side of things. And I personally believe in that too. I would like for, I, I'm a fan of what the SEC is doing for the most part. I'm not going to say I'm just a you know broad fan of anything that anybody does. Certainly though, I, I believe that them coming in and taking a hard look a fair and hard look at these companies, you know, and giving them the flexibility to not draw them into any type of corner, probably the the better way for this to play out as opposed to knee-jerk reactions, write a bunch of laws, bake everybody into a corner. Because what, what we're looking at now is the dystopia of Bitcoin becomes the only free money. To me, that sounds like, uh, you know, the biblical prophecy of a one world currency. I'm not a fan of that. I don't believe that free money and freedom exist in the form of one monopoly that is controlled by some miners out there. And so, you know, I don't want laws. I want everything to kind of be looked at as a as a unique. How does this work and, and how did you do it? And how does that apply to our current laws? And that's what I think we see playing out. And I'm, I'm actually happy that the United States hasn't taken such a knee jerk reaction. Let the senators who want to talk left and right talk left and right. You know, let's not just put a lot of laws on the book. I'm really happy about where we are with that. How can credit unions lean into this inflection point a little bit more? How can they help move the move things along? Well, we really feel like credit unions and the crypto community share a similar ethos, right? Credit unions are not-for-profit, democratically controlled financial cooperatives. And one of the things we say all the time, John and I, is people over profits and credit unions embody that phrase. So we feel like crypto and credit unions kind of go hand in hand. But Again, I don't recommend that any credit union jump into anything, especially if it involves resources, right? That because we are financial cooperatives and we're owned by our members, any money we spend is our members' money. And so we need to be very cognizant of that. And boards and staff uh, need to make sure that, uh, that we're spending that money wisely. And so I think watch, learn, get educated. There's a lot of misinformation about this space. 
and all of the negative news <laughs> that's happening right now doesn't help. So then, you know, it's fear mongering and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, oh, only criminals use this space. Well, I can tell you there are a lot, a lot of legitimate, well-meaning people in this space that want to do things the right way. We want there to be guardrails and rules and laws that protect consumers. And that's why it's going to continue to live on. But for credit unions, get educated. Actually, John and I are part of a nonprofit organization called Block Advocates that specializes in educating credit union staff and board and regulators for free with no agenda. Um, just, you know, let's talk and let's get educated. So for credit unions, they can lean in by paying attention. Don't write this space off. Don't ignore it because of all the negative news that's happening now. Um, but pay attention and jump in when you feel it's appropriate for your risk tolerance. John, do you have anything to add to that? Without plugging Bank Social and saying you guys should take advantage of Bank Social, I- I'll say I'll, I'll say this. I think getting a number of thoughts from a number of people who have can kind of talk to these things is a good place to start if you haven't started anywhere. I think a lot of these companies are, are, or these credit unions might just be taking like a one a one way approach to it. So they go and talk to a couple exchanges and they feel like they've gotten the full picture. I would say explore the opportunities. Once you get your team in front of people who are more than just, you know, hey, implement this or implement our technology, implement our solution and really start to help your credit union understand the whys and the how and and answer all those questions. I think that's where you want to be focused and at least get that information so you have something to compare it to when you're looking at this broad scope of potential solutions that you're going to implement. And I think just to reiterate what Becky said, we don't believe that you should be spending tons of money on implementing these solutions, um, you know that that's the whole thing with these solutions is they're actually very simple at their uh, core. And so, while you don't want to go out and build them and bring in all the expertise in house, it's just not what credit unions are. That's not their you know wheelhouse. You definitely don't want to go drop a couple hundred thousand dollars on something to test the waters. Thank you both so much for talking with me today. Thank you, Tanya. We very much enjoyed it. Wherever you stand on the crypto spectrum, I hope you find value in the insights Becky and John shared. If you're interested in learning more about Block Advocates, please make sure to check out their website, blockadvocates.org. If you have any thoughts to share on this episode or open up a dialogue, please drop us a line at media at cornerstoneleague.coop. Until next time.